Welcome to another episode of Junior Achievement of South Florida's Recipe for Success. Just as there are no two recipes that contain the exact same ingredients or measurements, there are no two success stories exactly the same. Recipe for Success features entrepreneurs, visionary leaders, and innovators of all ages who will share the ingredients that make them successful. Here's your host, Lori Salarulo, President and CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. It's ridiculous. Well, good afternoon, everyone. We are live here on the set of JA Recipe for Success here at JA World Heisinger Center at the Lillian S. Wells Pavilion. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today and for watching live. Uh, this is the place to be to learn about our local community leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, and just hear about the recipe for their success. Uh, so much to learn over the last several episodes. Uh, today's guest is uh, someone that I have had the pleasure of working with for quite a long time in this community. Uh, someone that has done so many good things around children and families, and that is one of the common factors between us for sure. Uh, Cindy Ahrensberg Selta is the CEO and President of the Children's Services Council of Broward County. And for those of you who look at your property appraiser bill, you know that we um, provide the funding for the Children's Services Council. That was arranged in 2000. And then again, we voted to have it in 2014. And so welcome, Cindy. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. It's a pleasure. Uh, and, and you know, Cindy has a, a really long professional career in public service, community leadership. Uh, you've done so much that it, we would need 20,000 shows just to talk about <laughs> everything you've done. But maybe you could start us off with just maybe two or three key points along the way uh, in your career that led you to where you are today. So um, I started out thinking that I was going to train teachers as to how to be effective teachers. That was one of my visions when I was back uh, as a young girl. Went into psychology, then decided to become a lawyer. I wanted to fight for the rights of the little guy. Went to law school working at night. I, I had gone to Washington, D.C. to take a year off before going to law school, but fell in love with government and policy. And so that was the first spark. Went to law school at night because as a young woman, I found that to get the credibility that I so craved, I really needed a credential behind me. And so I went to law school at night. Decided to leave all of that politics behind and moved to Connecticut to practice law and realized, you know, I didn't really love the practice of law, but I loved policy work. And I became the chief of staff to the majority leader in the Connecticut House. And there I had the opportunity to work on a variety of issues and really dig in and gain a true understanding of how the legislative process works and what a difference policies can make in people's lives on a more local level than I could see in Washington. And then my boss ran for Congress and lost, unfortunately. He was out, I was out. That's politics, right? That's politics. <laughs> and you know, I said to myself, I, I love this policy work, but I kind of fell into it. And I heard about a mid-career program at the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, and so I did their mid-career master's in public administration. From there, really got into children's issues and got recruited to come down to Broward County to work for Broward County government. I remember that. And then the CSC was created, and thank God uh, for me, 
I was in the right place at the right time. And all of those work experiences and all of that educational experience kind of came together in a perfect place for me to take that, establishing a government agency from the ground up. I had seen government work at different levels. I had experienced a wide variety of work experiences, which I didn't really get into yet. But because of all of that, I was able to say, along with the council members who were brilliant people, you being one of them. <laughs> Thank you. You and, say that. <laughs> <laughs> and the initial staff that we put together, that we took the best of what we had seen and tried to minimize the worst of what we had seen and build those policies and procedures in ways that were always focused at their heart on what's the best thing for children and families. Yeah. And that's been our philosophy ever since. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that, that you, you, as you went through, as I was listening to the story, um, you know, you mentioned being a young girl and a woman and needing to have that credential behind you, different opportunities that came along. And it's really interesting because, you know, you know here at Junior Achievement, we're teaching students about career pathways and, and giving them opportunities to explore the different industries that exist right here in South Florida and the great jobs, uh, entrepreneurship, right? And so, but it's really interesting to me because we kind of expect them to know, right? at such a young age what they want to do but yet i think for both of us like when i hear your story it kind of sounds a little like mine opportunities because of the skill set and the knowledge that we were gaining along the way opportunities kept opening up for us but if you had asked me 20 years ago or 25 years ago did i want to be the ceo of a nonprofit i probably would have said what's a nonprofit right. okay because i was in the corporate world so and same thing for you would you have ever said you wanted to lead an organization like CSC? And so I think that being open to opportunities, right, and making sure that going, uh, you know, as you're going along the way that you're gaining those skills and knowledge are two of the things that I really hear as key ingredients for you as well as for our young people. Well, and I'm really glad you picked up on that because that's something I always talk about when I have the opportunity to speak to young people and frankly even to parents. Because there is so much pressure nowadays to, to tell children you have to know right now what you want to be. But if you really ask their parents if they knew when they were 10, 12, 15 what they wanted to do with their life, they would say no. First of all, we don't know what we don't know, right? right? I mean, that's an obvious statement, but when you think about it for career, your view of what careers exist for most people are pretty limited. So if you only want to do that which you've ever only seen your family members or friends do, you've missed out on a wide array of opportunities, some that exist today and some that haven't even been created yet. So it's not really, to me, about being, pigeonholing yourself into a career path, except for a few areas that really require specialization from the beginning. Right. They might know they want to be a doctor or a lawyer from very And there are right. certain things that you have to put in place um, along the way. But mostly, for almost any career, you can wind up zigging and zagging and get there if you want. I just had a conversation with someone uh, whose son is in high school, and he loves history. He loves history. And she's like, you know, the career opportunities are so limited. I don't want him to go 
to college and study history, what's he going to do with that? I said, what are you talking about? There's like a million things that he could do with a history degree. A lot of people in law school came from with a history degree. A lot of different career paths can open up when you have that understanding. And so let him study something he's passionate about. And she just told me yesterday, you know, that's been resonating with me. And I had a completely different conversation with my son because of that conversation. I went back and I did research, she said, you know, and I saw, oh, 60% of what, look, the key, and this might be one of your other recipe keys, is saying yes to opportunity. And passion, finding passion, passion. Finding the passion, you'll be amazed at how that passion might fit into different situations. Another key, just like talking about yesterday, we were talking about staff development and why certain people get opportunities and other people maybe not. And they go, oh, it's because my boss ha doesn't like me or doesn't know or whatever. I'm like, it's really about you showing initiative. And you can show initiative whatever level you're in, in an organization. When I was in college, I had a work-study uh, job in the accounting office. Now, all it was meant to be was a simple clerical, you know, stuff page back then. You had to stuff paychecks right. into envelopes and help move paper around. But when I was moving the paper around and helping them with different things, I noticed that the whole process for the way summer classes registration was working was really inefficient. And I came up with an idea to make it more efficient and I pitched it to my boss and they were like, I like that, run, run with it, let's see how that works. And we put it into place and it made the workflow so much easier. I was an intern on work study, but I took that initiative. Another job that I had, I was supposed to, when I first went to Washington, I was the receptionist and assistant to the president. I, I got interested in public relations. I met some people who were in PR. I asked them about what they do. I did some research, and in those days, computer research was not so easy, but I wrote up a PR plan for our organization, showed it to some people in the business, and they went, yeah, that's pretty good. And I pitched it to the president, and he said, go ahead, work on it. Right. Nobody said, can you do that? Nobody. You saw a need, you saw a gap, you saw an opportunity to make something better, and you, went, you ran with it, and, and once I think you're they, right. Once they saw that, then yes, more opportunities flowed. Then it was, well, wait, you were able to do that. Can you take on this? You, so that's another really important tip, I think, for young people starting out. First of all, don't think you're above anything. So true. I was in the middle of law school, working in a, in a job as a director of government affairs, and we had put out a newsletter, and I'm, I didn't put it out, but our organization had done it and realized that they missed a decimal point in a number that without that decimal point 
was a dramatic. <laughs> yes. And I sat for hours, Director of Government Affairs, putting in ink a decimal point on thousands of newsletters because, because it had it needed to be, to done. be done. Exactly. You know, it's interesting you talk about how this conversation kind of started with your, your team and talking about initiative and why do some people get opportunities and not others. Um, so you have a team of how many people now? We're now about 80. I was going to say it had to be close to 100. And, and as a CEO, right, so you've grown from 2000 to 2019, well, right, yeah. from probably maybe 10 or 20, if I don't remember that many more than 20 employees mm -hmm. at the beginning when I was on the council, to 80. The dynamics of managing a workforce, right, of 10 or 20 to 80 is so different. I mean, I see that here. We've gone from 23 to 42. And just in that, I see a difference. Talk a little bit about what has helped you, right, to build a strong team. I started out with a really strong philosophy. As I mentioned, we were trying to take the best of what we had learned and leave aside the worst. So as a government agency, it's easy to fall into a bureaucratic mindset. And I have fought that from the beginning. I never want to be rigid and that it has to be done this way because it's always been done this way. So um, that was one philosophical uh, underpinning. The fact that it's focused on our mission, in our case, the children, that, that we don't succeed unless the providers, because most of the work that's done is through uh, nonprofit agencies, so we don't succeed unless the providers succeed, and the providers don't succeed unless the children succeed. And so as long as it is ethical, moral, we legal. have the <laughs> legal, we have the front page of the Sun Sentinel test. I, I don't want anybody doing anything that I don't want to see splashed on the front page of the Sun Sentinel. As long as it meets all of that, then we do whatever we can do to make it work for the child and family. So if the model says, they're really only supposed to get four months of service, but the family is really in crisis and still needs support, well, don't throw them out of service because the model says four months. You serve them until they're done. Right. But with 80 people, how do you get yes. them? So, right? so you have the vision. So I right? The board creates the vision with you, I, I'm assuming. Yeah. How do you get those 80 people to follow? So, I think that's such a challenge for CEOs. It is. So, so there are these philosophical underpinnings. I meet with every member of staff, from receptionist up, when they first start. And I pass on to them those, those principles. You talk to anybody in the organization, and they can recite the fundamental principles. They will all tell you, we don't succeed unless the providers succeed. The providers don't succeed unless the children succeed. That we are a family-friendly organization that the one challenge I give every staff member when they start is we only hire the best and the brightest, and I want you to bring your brain to work every day. And that don't ever accept we must do something this way because it's always been done this way. Those fundamental principles I directly tell to every staff member when they start. And it gets repeated over and over again throughout the year in, in a variety of different ways. We have all staff meetings once a month. I have, um, my management team has now grown and the directors meet every 
week, but every other week all the assistant directors meet as well. So now the management team, which includes the chiefs, the directors, and the assistant directors, is about 25 people. That's big. So they're That's hearing well, yeah. directly from me, and then they're passing that on. So it's constant reinforcement, and it's, it's tough. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say that sometimes things don't go a little awry, but what I can assure everybody is if you have an interaction with the Children's Services Council, you will uniformly be, be greeted in a warm way. You will have the friendliest people who are committed to the children. And I can say that with confidence because I've heard it over and over again from strangers <laughs> who will say, you know, wow, I, I called to ask a question or I walked in, or I came for a training, and I couldn't believe how friendly everybody was and how nice. I've had folks be a little scared because they're sitting waiting for an appointment, and everybody who walks by goes, "Are you? Did somebody help you? Are you? <laughs> are you good?" Right? And they're like, "Wow, why did ten people ask me that question?" Exactly. But I'd much rather have it be that way than than you be sitting there and, and feel on. Right uncared for. So I think the other thing as leaders um, that we need to continue to grow and evolve, not just our organizations, right, but ourselves. Mm. Um, how do you do that? Share, share a little bit about how you stay uh, on top of your industry, the community, uh, the needs, on top of leadership opportunities and skills. How do you stay on top of all that? That's a huge question because um, those answers are, are varied. In terms of staying on top of the community, because as the Children's Services Council, we are involved in every aspect of children's lives from birth to aging out of the foster care system, the juvenile justice system, the foster care system. The, we assist the school board. We're in everything. Between my, myself and my staff, we serve on 225 committees wow. throughout the county and I'm constantly trying to connect those dots. The, I can't stay in granular detail in every one of those areas, but usually each year I am personally in-depthly involved in two or three of them. Always early care and education, of course, that's of course. never gone away. I've spent years really involved in juvenile justice as that was in more crisis in the foster care system. We had a big problem for a few years where I was really involved there. Now the last two years my focus has really been on trauma. Um, after the MSD shooting, <clears throat> the issue of trauma and gun violence has really pervaded. That got a lot of attention, but my focus is really on the trauma of violence throughout Broward County. And so I'm doing a lot of work there personally on that. So I, I read a lot. I listen to my staff, who I, I like to surround myself with people who I know are smarter than me. They may not have the, the same big picture view, but, but they are smarter than me in their areas, and in, in, often in multiple areas. And never be afraid of that. That is vital. And let them shine. And I let them disagree, disagree with me, disagree with each other. I tell them all the time, I don't ever want to be the emperor with no clothes. So you tell me, 
You have to tell me what you're hearing in the community. You have to tell me if I'm saying something that's stupid, because I'd much rather you tell me than have me be out somewhere and right. be told I'm, I'm all wet. Or inaccurate, exactly. Right. right. Um, the part I've probably been the least good at over the years is self-care. And that was... I know that story. Yes. We were, just, <laughs> we're so good at balance, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> so taking care of yourself, so even though we may not be that good at it, is definitely an ingredient that... It really help. is. And I really, especially as I've been immersed in, um, in the child welfare and then in the trauma work, was, was incredibly draining. And I found that I had really reached a point of depletion. And I, last summer, participated in the Center for Mind-Body Medicine trainings that we were doing here to train more professionals in the community to be able to offer those workshops. And it was really powerful for me. And it also made me realize how little I had been doing for myself. So that's a big goal is finding that balance and using those tools on a regular basis. Can you teach me? <laughs> you should take I one of the workshops. Are they still going on? There, there they are, are people, we have trained um, professionals now throughout the county to be running center, the, these workshops based on the Center for Mind Body work. Two hours, once a week for eight weeks. My treadmill's already. I have really good intentions yeah, of I, taking care of myself, but I know, you know that the one. best laid plans, right? Um, so I, these are so. Look, I have no more room on my board here for one any more, more ingredients. I know. Go ahead. One more. One more is I try to stay connected with professional networks. Uh, I just did the uh, back at Harvard the Adaptive Leadership Network, where I'm had the opportunity to network. Uh, with people throughout the world who are doing adaptive leadership work, trying to change not those easy fixes that you can do, you know, buy more pens, do, you know, fix that machine, buy another computer. Those are technical fixes. Right. The stuff that we're trying to do, changing cultures, changing mindsets, really that's difficult. adaptive work. Very difficult. Too. And so, by networking with others and building a more global team of people that you can say, this is what I'm struggling with, uh, that is really useful. So local and global mm -hmm. right, connections. Um, so I am going to read your recipe Ooh, for success okay. that we talked about. And we'll post this for everyone to see. Uh, and you'll get a copy of it as well. Um, you talked at the very beginning about your journey talking about being open to opportunities, right? To grow and to learn, gaining those skills and knowledge along the way, even when you don't know exactly where they're gonna take you, right? Absolutely. Um, finding your passion. Uh, I think that's been key to so many people sitting in that chair. Uh, and I think it's so important. Show initiative, I love that. I think if our kids could take away any one of these things, that would probably be one of the ones. So uh, on the top of the list, Never think you're above any task. I love that. Um, and you know, I can remember coming up myself and my getting a project and having to put together a team. And I can remember my family and friends saying, well, why are you working till midnight every night? Because if my team is working till midnight, I'm right there with them and rolling Absolutely. up the sleeves and ordering food and making sure we're getting where we have to go. 
Um, so yes, you've got to be willing to do all it takes. Uh, and innovative, be innovative, and, and constantly be looking at new ideas. Uh, fundamental principles, right, and, and implementing those principles from the CEO down. Uh, reinforcing that culture constantly, talking about the values uh, and the mission and the why, so important. Uh, read, stay current, and stay connected, both locally as well as globally. Uh, listen, that's a good one. I took a whole course yesterday. Mm. I had uh, three hours on talking about um, communicating and how important the listening piece was. Um, surround yourself with good people, smarter people. Don't be afraid to hear them uh, tell you that your idea might not be the best idea out there. Mm -hmm. And I tell my, I, I always say, I've got this great idea, and they, and they listen. Sometimes they go, ooh, Martin, that really is a good idea. Now we have to do it. And other times they look at me and go, oh, no, that's really stupid. Right? And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, let people Tell shine. them to take a shower before you say it. It's like sometimes they'll push back a couple of times, and it's like, all right, just sit with it and see if it comes right. to you later. <laughs> or they tell me to you know what, we just don't have the capacity. It's a great idea, but we don't have the capacity to do right. it. Um, and sometimes I say, you're right. And other times I say, yeah, but we're going for it. Right, you know me. So um, let people shine. Make sure they know what a great job they've done. Um, and lastly, but certainly not least, something we all need to work on is taking care of yourself um, and ourselves because we're no good to anybody else as parents, as, as leaders, uh, as community advocates uh, as, or any of that, spouses, all of those things if we aren't taking care of ourselves. I'm going to ask you one final question to fill in the blank and okay. we'll, leave it, we'll leave it at that. The key to my recipe all comes down to hmm. commitment. Mm, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to add that to your recipe because we didn't okay. talk about commitment. So I'm going to add that last one and I'm going to put a star next to it because that was your, uh, the main ingredient, right? Uh, and so that would be great. Thanks, Cindy, I, I wanted to, on behalf of all of us here at JA, on behalf of our community, I want to say thank you. Um, you know I was intimately involved. You respond to community needs. I know I have a perfect example <laughs> with special needs, you know, children with special needs. Um, the work that you have done to drive this community forward to make sure that every child and family has the opportunity to succeed um, is amazing. Um, and I, um, you, I have the utmost respect and admiration for everything you have done in this community. And so I just want to say thank you. And thank you for being here. And thank <laughs> you for sharing your recipe to success. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for all you do, really. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, and thank you again, Cindy, for being with us. We hope you enjoyed today's show. So much to learn from Cindy's recipe for success. I hope you'll join us next week, uh, next Wednesday, where we'll have Jarrett Levan with BBX Capital Hoffman's Chocolate mm. just in time for Christmas. So don't forget to go out and buy your treats. Uh, but thank you so much again. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Take care, everyone. Let's get cooking.